The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order that's petmeds.com and promo code podcast what's up everybody welcome to the big six podcast cbs sports nfl podcast i'm will brinson we got some combine preview to do this show is brought to you by FanDuel sportsbook make every moment more join now of course by the handsome devilishly handsome john breach and special guest Great friend of the podcast, the one, the only, Josh Edwards here for a 2024 Combine Preview. Josh, I think we've done this like every year for the last uh, three or four years. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. I, you know, it's always fun this time of year because I get to reconnect with Brinson. Uh, Breach and I don't get to do enough, so uh, it's always good to see his face and talk a little bit about the uh, Combine this week and what it's going to mean for the NFL Draft. I see that uh, Josh got an early start on growing his Combine beard. A lot of facial hair there, man. <laughs> this is actually post shave so uh yeah we got we got a little stubble going but i'm sure it's going to be much worse by the end of the week it is it is fascinating how it's like if you kind of like like i can kind of track um you know what's going on in the football world by who i'm talking to on, on the podcast like when josh is here means it's off season and it's, it makes me happy um send an email to editors uh, to Kyle Stackpole and uh asking if he wants mock drafts he said can you start next tuesday so mock draft season Excited for it. Um, you know, I think you can make the case that mock drafts before free agency are oftentimes a, a, a moot point, but the people love the content and the combine. Look, the combine is as big as it's, it's ever been. You know, it's, it's fascinating because it's really become much like media night uh, at the Super Bowl and a host of other NFL events. It's become really more uh, driven for fans and maybe even driven for commercial success 
than it used to be. The combine used to be like all the people around the NFL world meet and gossip and hang out in Indianapolis. Yeah, that still happens. But we've seen Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys isn't going to the combine. Jerry Jones will be there. Don't worry. Um, I think, I assume. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Robert Sala reportedly, according to Pro Football Talk, not going. And then the Rams have just stopped sending people to the combine. It's pretty crazy. Josh, do you think that we are um, – you know, do you think this is something that is going to like? Is this a is this a, a macro trend that's going to continue? And is it? Are you surprised at how many teams don't go to the combine? Yeah, it's a little bit surprising because I do think there is some value that comes from this type of a setting. You get to get in front of these players, interview them, you know, walk them through some of the plays that they had, whether it was good or bad, and just be like, hey, what are you? What were you seeing on this particular play? Uh, it's helpful for quarterbacks trying to understand what they're seeing. So I do think that they're still sending some key personnel. I thought this was going to be more of a COVID thing where, you know, after a couple of years, we started seeing some of these guys come back. Uh, but all of the verified information is end up sent around to the NFL teams anyway. So perhaps they're just trying to save on the on the bottom line. I don't know. Uh, I do think that there is still some value for the teams that are willing to send some personnel there. Uh, and get some person, some face-to-face time with these prospects. I think it's interesting that Sean McVay basically in the Rams front office started this trend, but as Josh said, it was in 2020 during the COVID season, so you had no idea if this was a one-off thing or if they thought, you know what, we've been thinking about this. This is the perfect year to do it, and so no one really thought anything about it because A, COVID, and B, the Rams have never had a first-round pick since Sean McVay's been there, so it was like, hey, maybe we can study these lower round picks a little bit better from home. Uh, we'll send a couple guys to do the interviews, but that's about it. But now, as Brenton mentioned, you have more than Sean McVay. You have Mike McCarthy. You have Robert Saul. And now you, uh, I think uh, Packers coach Matt LaFleur also not going to be there. So we're talking about one-eighth of the head coaches aren't going to be in Indianapolis. Uh, but when you see this happen, and then we saw what the happened with the Rams draft class last year with Puka Nokua and Kobe Turner – when they're hitting home runs like that, that's other coaches saying, maybe we don't need to waste our time in Indy. So I think it will be interesting to see how this plays out going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you too, you can make the case like Mike McCarthy, you know, he's going to go like, you know, for the prospect information you're getting, you're going to end up having these interviews with the prospects you want to talk to in your building anyway. Do you want to turn through every single, um, you know, every single prospect in, in the entire NFL do you want to deal with all the agent stuff that you have to deal with? Do you want to have to get up in front of the media and answer a bunch of questions? I mean, you get to avoid all that by not going. And it's not like Mike McCarthy's questions that they gets asked are, you know, it's, it's basically people hammering him about, you know, are you, you know, are you worried about your job? Uh, do you think, you know, does Dak Prescott get a new contract? There's all this stuff that, you know, it's just, I mean, you're not, you know, you're not breaking down prospects at the combine like that. And so I can, I can see it. I can see it. Like if it, it, it basically boils down to, is your team winning? And is your team like finding prospects anyway, like the Rams? And so, yeah, keep doing whatever process works. Prospects tend to do a little th- things differently sometimes too. And we've got a really unique situation, Josh, in Marvin Harrison Jr., who is not going to do anything at the Combine whatsoever, according to Albert Breer of the NMQB.com. He's going to go to Indianapolis, you know, meet with whoever, I guess, but he's not going to do any of the drills. He's not going to and, – and the logic here – is that Marvin Harrison? I think this is actually really, really smart. And it, you know, it's you know, the caveat here Marvin Harrison is a stone cold lock to go top 10 in this draft. I would say top five, but there are three quarterbacks who could go ahead of him, and you never know what happens. And I've seen several people who actually have Malik neighbors ahead of, uh, of Marvin Harrison. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, by 
a lot of times we've, you know, you have to train differently than you train for football to train for the combine. You have to, like, you're training for the 40 or dash, which is something you don't practically use in an NFL game. So, Josh, I'm wondering, do you think this will be maybe more of a trend as well that we could see prospects, you know, saying, all right, look, I know that I'm a top 10. I know I'm a top first round guy. I'm not going to train for the 40 here. You've got a 40 time for my pro day. Like, I'm, I'm just going to get ready to play football and be the best football player I can be. Yeah, I think everything can be applied contextually. There are some players that this type of a setting does benefit them. Maybe they want to get the buzz moving in a positive direction. But for somebody like Marvin Harrison Jr., there's not really anything that he can do to help himself. Uh, everybody views him as this can't-miss prospect that's likely to go top five, uh, depending on you know how many quarterbacks are ultimately taken in the top five. But somebody that's going to be taken early in the NFL draft, and there's not much he can do to help himself. So uh, perhaps he's a pioneer and he kind of sets the course for other top prospects in the future to where they don't do this type of a setting because the only outcome is that you could possibly hurt yourself. Yeah. Uh, can Malik Neighbors do enough to overcome you know, the lead that he has as the top wide receiver in this class? I know some people feel that he could. I don't personally think that he can, but Neighbors is um, somebody that stands to gain quite a bit by being there in Indianapolis and going through this testing. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to hurt Marvin Harrison Jr. all that much. He's He's got a father that played in the NFL too, so he's getting some advice. He knows what he needs to be doing to be prepared for day one, stepping into that locker room and being ready as a professional, uh, and this just doesn't happen to be part of his plan. Also, yeah, Breach, I, I was going to say, Breach, we're noting he's not hiring an agent either. Yeah, I, I, hey, look, as uh, Josh said, I think having a dad that is an NFL legend helps out because – they can kind of walk you through this horse and pony show and tell you, you don't need to be a part of this. But I do think that only applies to a handful of players, maybe. And, and yourself, and yourself, John. Right, well, yeah. But <laughs> if, if you're in the top 15, if you're in the top 15 I, and you feel comfortable about that, and we Martin Harrison Jr. is probably you know top two at his position, if not top one, certainly in the top 15, this is not going to hurt his stock. I actually thought the interesting here uh, thing here was that Rappaport, Ian Rappaport added that he might not even do anything at his pro day. So forget sure. the combine. He's just going to straight up work out to stay in football shape. And Brenton, I think you nailed it on the head by saying that it is a completely different thing getting your body prepped for the combine than it is prepping yourself for football, for football practice, for football training camp, for football games. And so you're getting a little bit out of football shape when you're putting yourself in combine shape. It's like if you're running track, and someone runs the 100 meters and someone runs the 1600 meters, you're not training the same way because they're two completely no. different races. And that's kind of what I think Harrison's trying to get away from. He's saying, I'm doing the 100 meters and that's the only race I'm training for. I don't care about this other stuff. And I think if this, if he looks good in his rookie season, this is certain, certainly something we could see from future prospects going forward. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I also agree that it is, this is certainly a unique case where Hall of Fame father. Locked job, top five pick. Um, you know, I, I know uh, Lance Zierlein at NFL.com has him as his number one prospect. And Daniel Jeremiah, I think, has him at number two behind Caleb Williams on his overall prospect list. Uh, we will get to those guys in a minute. Jaden Daniels not going to work out either, I don't think, because of an injury situation. Anybody else notable, Josh, that um, from a, you know, headline, you know, like, you know, headline perspective about whether they're going to work out or whether they're going to throw, et cetera. Well, I don't think we're going to see Caleb Williams either. Um, yeah. Ian Rappaport reported that earlier today. Drake May, I haven't seen one way or another if he's going to throw. Uh, Bo Nix out of Oregon, the quarterback. Michael Penix Jr., 
J.J. McCarthy, those guys are expected to throw in Indianapolis this week. And that's where you can kind of see some of the pecking order in the quarterback rankings start to shift a little bit because we've we've been talking about Caleb Williams. We've been talking about Drake May from North Carolina, Jaden Daniels coming off a Heisman season. That next group of quarterbacks and, you know, perhaps McCarthy gets into that top tier quarterbacks. I think he's Ooh. a very consistent player that, you know, has deserved that level of consideration for quite it's some te- time. It's a, it's a teaser for, for our next topic. You seem like you might be high on him. Yeah, he's somebody that I've been I've been talking about all season. I've been trying to get Wilson on board. Uh, Rick Spielman has has been in my corner for for a little while on McCarthy. So yeah, he's somebody that I think could rise. But this is a big week for the Bo Nixes, the Michael Penixes of the world that uh, could possibly help themselves get into the first round if they're not already in that first round conversation. Can they get into the first round? Because now you're talking about a fifth year guaranteed contract. Yep. Um, you're talking about all that guaranteed money. So uh, that's going to be a very important uh, aspect for the quarterbacks this week. Um, you know, Breach, I'm curious what, uh, and, and you too, Josh, obviously, but the uh, S2, the cognitive testing, uh, of course, we've had the, the, why am I forgetting what the name of the old school, the, the Wonderlick. Jeez, please, Will. <laughs> um, I, don't even, I don't even know what word I was going to say other than Wonderlick. Um, the Wonderlick testing has always been under fire because, you know, the scores get leaked out. People are mad at anonymous people saying you did well on this. It doesn't, you know, doesn't pertain to football. It's a it's a cognitive test. There's been some loose correlation with success with the Wonderlick. And I think, you know, depending on how you want to draw various um, dots to the Wonderlick or whatever, um, you know, you could you could you could make the case that it's it's both dumb and both useful and, and, and not something that you should ever hang your hat on when it comes to picking players for, for football. The S2 test, which is more of a um, is it is it it's like sort of like uh, testing your reflexes a little bit more, more of a physical test than a strictly like written down SAT style test, I believe uh, was, you know, the hot thing. Everybody's talking about S2. Oh, look at the predictive way that it's helped find players. And then the S2 test said that C.J. Stroud sucks and that Bryce Young is great. And Bryce Young had a terrible rookie year. And C.J. Stroud, who went second, uh, had one of the all-time great rookie years. So, Breach, do you think where are we at with the S2 buzz surrounding the 2024 combine? I cannot imagine that anybody is allowed in in Carolina down in Charlotte to mention the phrase S2 test uh, around David Tepper. The cognitive tests are just so crazy because you really you're trying to measure things that are almost immeasurable as far as uh, what they can do on the football field, how fast they can process information. But being able to process information on a pen and paper test is not the same as being on a football field, knowing your receiver is going to be like part of that is just an innate naturalness that a lot of these guys have as a natural gift. And so. Look, I did read something for the draft this past year that C.J. Stroud, I think it was from The Athletic, that his score was actually flagged before the draft, and then the S2 company was pointing that out, and everybody's like, well, that's you're, you're mentioned after the fact, but they did mention it before the fact, but no one cares about that because all they're thinking about is that, hey, look, whether it was flagged or not, something happened where it didn't work, and I feel like this past year was really the first time the S2 test really came out as the test, you know, for the past every year I've been working with you, Brenton, it's been the Wonderlick. The S2 comes out as the big test, and then you have this bomb blow up on it in its first big year with the CJ Stroud thing. Uh, 
So I won't be surprised if players are a little more suspicious of the cognitive tests and maybe just say, you know what, we're not going to take it because there's no upside here. And if the teams want to hold that against us, that's fine. But it, it does seem like if you do well, no one remembers that. But if you bomb it, that gets leaked, that gets pointed out. So I'm not sure there's a huge upside for players to take these. Yeah, Josh, you basically either have to be really high or really low to draw any sort of attention. Bryce Young reported they had like the highest S2 test score ever, which just which which comes to mind he can just get the ball to Adam Thielen on third and short really quickly. Like that's about it. Yeah, I think all of this again can be, you know, applied contextually because last year I think part of the topic was that uh he had to take this test at the end of a long day at the combine, you know, after he had gone through all the medicals, after he had gone through the poking and prodding that comes with being in Indianapolis. So it's understandable that he might've been tired in that kind of a setting that has to be taken under consideration. Uh, as breach noted, you know, it doesn't account for the type of talent that you have around you. It doesn't account for the wide receivers that you have or who's blocking for you, what the play call was, any of that kind of stuff. So while I do think it is flawed, I also think that there is some form of application for this because NFL teams are always going to be one, try to be one step ahead. They're always trying to find something that's going to give them a competitive advantage. So they're going to continue sinking resources into these types of tests, trying to figure out what works the best. And then maybe one day they're actually able to find, uh, you know, some kind of, an, you, know, uh, you know, a cognitive test that, is going to be able to determine what kind of a player they could be in the NFL. But right now there's clearly a flawed system. And that was very evident last year with everything that came out in the S2 tests. And I'm going to point out one more thing, Brinson, uh, because I have to, as a note of Bengals Homer, <laughs> the highest score in the history of the Wonderlick test was by Pat McAnally, a former Bengals player. Oh, fun fact. And here is something more interesting about that is that McAnally always thought Ace, he aced the one look. He got a 50 out of 50, and he thought that actually hurt his draft stock. So it was the reverse of, yes, exactly. Really? His exact quote was, so how did that hurt me in the draft? Coaches and front office guys don't like extremes one way or the other, but particularly True. not on the high side. I think they think guys who are intelligent will challenge authority too much. So he thought it hurt his draft stock for being for acing the test. And then you have it, you know, obviously if you bomb it, people think that hurts your draft stock. So you want to get right in the middle. Yeah, you just want to stay in an average score and no one talks about it. It's like this guy's just an average rockhead who happens to have like kind of fast reflexes. All right, let's uh, talk real quickly about the schedule for the combine. I believe Harry has a graphic we can toss up. Um, the combine's weird. They've changed it around a lot since back in the day. We used to sit in the Indianapolis, in the Lucas Oil Stadium uh, food court area. And you would listen to they would announce the drills. You would watch it on TV. They happen during the day. Well, the NFL is promiscuous and loves cash. So now they've tried to make it a prime time event, which is why you see the quarterback workouts coming over the weekend. Uh, Monday, I know uh, everybody should make sure to check out with the first pick podcast. Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman, Pete Prisco will be on there as well. Josh, obviously on. Uh, they are going to be on site in Indianapolis doing stuff with HQ as well. They get there today, and uh, you see the defensive linemen and linebackers go early. Defensive backs and tight ends um, come in on Monday, and so they sort of stagger the workouts by position. Uh, it has dramatically changed from ten years ago when we used to get you would sit there and um, I, you know I, like I remember I sat at a table with Russell. Nobody was sitting at Russell Wilson's table. Like I went up and sat down at Russell Wilson's table solo. I was like asking him, you know, like, hey, what's up, buddy? Um, actually, I've got a picture and I need to 
I don't know where it is. I can't find it right now. But um, B.J. Coleman, the former uh, uh, Chattanooga quarterback, uh, he went to my high school, went to the same high school I did. And uh, one of the media guys for the Broncos, uh, former media guys for the Broncos, also went to McCauley. We got a picture of the three of us. Like, it's like the players were milling around. It was, like, it was just, it's just a very different scene. Now, at the same time, I've been, I was at the combine when Johnny Manziel came through. Absolute scenes. You know, I was at the combine for RG3. Uh, Andrew Luck. I remember the first interview, first time Jim Harbaugh. I saw Jim Harbaugh interview Jim Harbaugh. They used to do it with like three coaches at a time. You had to pick which one you went to, and it's like you would have like ten people sitting there for Jim Harbaugh's press conference. His press conference for the this year is going to be jammed. People will flood it. Um, it's 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 just a, it's a whole different beast uh, than it used to be. They moved it out of the food court and um, into sort of a the conference room area, so it's further away from the stadium. It's it's, it's a whole thing. But you see the schedule there. It'll be prime time. The guys will work out. And that leads us into the quarterback discussion. Because, Josh. Actually, you know what? Now nah, we're talking about quarterbacks now. Caleb Williams not throwing. Shout out to uh, producer Noah for, for this graphic and producer Harry for getting it on here. Um, talk to us about the quarterbacks, how you rank them. You mentioned Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and, and Drake May. The top three is, is Caleb, Drake, Jaden, your order. And then who's your fourth guy behind them, and how close is he to that group? Yeah, I believe that is the order that I have right now. Caleb Williams, I think, is just a, a, a different talent in terms of what he brings to the table. Somebody that is incredibly athletic. Um, first and foremost, you have to be able to make plays from the pocket. You have to be able to operate on time, have good footwork in the pocket. I think he does. But you also need to have that creative side of you where you're able to extend plays and have the accuracy to make throws on the run, similar to what we've seen from a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I think that's where the the players that are having success in the NFL are able to thrive. And I think Caleb Williams offers that level, um, you know, that level of adaptability in the open space. Jaden Daniels coming off a Heisman season, he's made as big of a stride as, as anyone this past year. Uh, his decision-making has improved really well. He's capable of throwing with touch, somebody that's going to offer quite a bit as a runner. Drake May, um, you know, part of my issue with him is that sometimes he will just throw the ball up into coverage, which is fine when you have a Tez Walker. I didn't think it was so much fine last year when you're throwing to uh, Josh Downs, who is, you know, sub six foot. As much as I love Josh Downs, not necessarily a jump ball athlete. So I wanted to see some improved decision making this year. Didn't quite see him get to where I wanted him to be. So that's why he wasn't able to take that next step for me, but I still think he's one of the top quarterbacks here in this draft class. And then as I alluded to JJ McCarthy, you see him there uh, expected to throw at the combine. He's that player that I think could get into that conversation. Um, He comes from a run heavy offense at Michigan. They're very hard nosed, run it down your throat, but somebody that completed over 70% of his passes this past year. um, He rarely loses a football game, great leadership qualities. He's tough. That's going to allow him to endear himself to these college co- or to these NFL coaches, general managers, et cetera. Looking for a proven winner, JJ McCarthy is that guy. Breach, any thoughts on this quarterback class? I mean, obviously Drake May went to Carolina. I watched him a lot. I think he's a. I think I think he should probably be more polarizing than he is for for what for the reasons that Josh pointed out. Um, and, and look, like I mean. 
I'm a homer. Everybody knows I'm an NC State fan. But the like Drake May has not played well against good defenses. And to Josh's point about Tez Walker, he was you know the NCAA wouldn't allow him to play for the first few weeks of the 2023 season, and that Carolina offense really sputtered early on. Uh, now they had switched offensive coordinators because Phil Longo went to. Wisconsin, right? Like Wisconsin, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so like you're switching offensive coordinators. That's tough. You you know you lose players to the NFL every year. Um, I thought you know Drake May got it going quickly after Tez Walker got there. He was vaulting himself. They're undefeated, top ten. He was sort of getting in the Heisman conversation. And then once again, and look, one of them was an NC State team that's got some players, some legitimate defensive players. He had to play NC State and he had to play Clemson, and he didn't play particularly well against good defenses. And that that just has to be a red flag when you look at his production against those teams, um, the McCarthy thing is fascinating too, because breach, he, you know, like this guy, like I think Caleb Williams had more attempts than, um, or more completions than JJ McCarthy had attempts, which is wild. That's how run heavy that is. And of course, uh, Bo Nix, 49 years old, Spencer Rattler had been around for a while. And uh, Michael Penix Jr. Led his team to the freaking national championship. It's a, it's an, this, this, this class, the Carolina Panthers gave away the number one overall pick, in this draft class, it's unbelievably how unbelievable how stupid that was. This class is forty times better than last year. Yeah, and if you have the number one overall pick in a QB heavy class, and you don't need a QB, you can literally hold that thing for ransom because everyone is going to try and call you and trade up, or at least everyone who needs a quarterback. Yeah, and, and you know, talking about JJ McCarthy makes a lot of sense because I think he has the most to gain. At this combine, as you guys pointed out with Michigan's offense, they just weren't throwing the ball very much. So you don't really have this huge data set of what he's capable of. So you're going to have the scouts in there saying, all right, we need, we want to see you make this throw and that throw and this throw. Uh, and so he might come out of this and wowing people. So I, I do think that he probably has the most to gain out of everyone on this list. Uh, but I, I think Jane Daniels seems like a wild card I, I, that, I would say he has the highest ceiling, maybe not the best prospect uh, on this list. So I think this is a very fascinating list. And if I was an NFL general manager, I'm not sure who I would take. I don't think Caleb Williams is a slam dunk over the rest of these guys necessarily. Yeah. And I think the other thing too about it is it's the, this is works out great for the NFL. Caleb Williams, a monster superstar, Drake may a high profile prospect, Jane Daniels, the reigning Heisman winner. And then again, you list, look at these guys. These are big profile name quarterbacks in a draft that has the Bears up top with this Justin Fields decision that's going to drive the conversation like throughout the offseason. I know Josh wrote a piece about what they could do in terms of, uh, I believe you did, right? Like the, like the possible trade possibilities with Justin Fields and all that. So it's, it's from a, it's from like a few weeks ago or whatever, but or months, add months ago maybe. It's yeah. on cbssports.com. Um, and then you have. You know, at two, Washington that needs a quarterback. At three, New England that needs a quarterback. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are out here tweeting about Kyler Murray being a franchise quarterback on Monday of the Combine as if to say, no, 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 we're not looking at quarterbacks. Like, could you be more sensitive, Kyler Murray? My God, you need your team to tweet that out. It's it's this this draft is going to be it's gonna it's gonna do monster numbers in terms of traffic and discussion and people thinking and talking about it just because of how interesting it is. That being said, there are plenty of lesser names that we need to talk about. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss sleepers for the 2024 NFL Draft. Next. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. 
care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. We like to poo-poo the combine because it's like, oh, you can't tell what anybody can get from 40, running a 40 in gym shorts and what kind of football player he's going to be. And you're like, oh, jumping really high. I didn't tell you anything. Well, I mean, kind of. It you know there, there's a, there's a middle ground like everything there's a middle ground because uh, I will tell you my favorite combine sleeper story of all time when you fell asleep at the combine yeah I fall asleep at the combine for sure oh, yeah, I've slept in yeah I mean I tell you what the combine you can go you can go big at the combine it's a great like, you you see yeah like we used to do shows at eight a.m. and you see like you have stuff happen to the combine that is like kind of mind blowing like John Schneider accused me of being the guy who wrote the story about him being shirtless with the championship belt um, on. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't write that. He's like, uh, I, I think I did write it for CBS, but I wasn't the original writer. And then like the Seahawks PR guy got furious at me and told me I needed to go to bed. Um, and then the next morning I saw, I was like, sorry about that. Um, you know, you have like uh, me and Andy Benoit way back in the day, we're walking through Indianapolis snow dumping everywhere freezing and we're like oh my god we have to get out of the snow we are freezing our asses off and we the only place we could find it was like right there was a hooters and we walk into the hooters and it's mike shanahan and john gruden and john fox pounding cores lights at the hooters in indianapolis and we were just like of course that makes actually so much sense um so yeah the combine you see incredible stuff you see weird things. You go to any it's- restaurant during combine week, it, it, whether it's Hooters or whether it's a fancy steakhouse, there is a 90% chance you are going to see an NFL general manager or head coach. Yeah. We were uh, actually one time we were, you know, this, I'm, I'm name dropping, but it's a combine. I don't care. Uh, we were we were walking on the street. It's like me, Prisco, and I, I can't remember if you were there, Breach. I think Wilson was there. Somebody stops Pete Prisco and goes, Hey, you're the guy on the Pick Six podcast, right? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> That's what you're known for, Pete. And he got all mad. I ended up like talking to those guys about the pod. They're big podcast fans. And they also like the show Pardon My Take, if everybody's heard of. And we get down to this one main bar in Indy. And I'm talking to these guys who are like, oh, my God, do you see who that is right there? And I turn and look. I'm like, yes, yeah, John Elway. How awesome is that? John Elway's just kicking it like a like a button-up, chest poking out. And they're like, no, 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 the other guy. And I look, it's freaking Big Cat. Like, like, like John Elway, dude. Like you, And you're like, you're like pumped about Dan Katz, who I love Dan. But, like, John Elway. Like, it's just like it's, the whole thing is very, very surreal. Um, there's lots of great combine stories. But – and, and by the way, Brent said my favorite part of your Hooters story is that you went to Hooters. Is that absolutely? You, you absolutely. could have gone anywhere in Indianapolis to eat. You get the expensive no, 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 meal. No, no, no. And we you were, went we to were, Hooters. We were walking from one Nothing point A to like no. We were I love Hooters. Yeah, um, the, the wings, they're delicious. We were walking from point A to point B, and it was so cold we had to get out of the cold. It was like minus fifteen degrees, and Hooters was just right there, so we popped in. We didn't like stay and eat, uh, but we did. You know, we did coach watch for a little bit. Um, anyway. That was a sleeper story about the combine, um, which turned into me telling random combine stories about things that happened. My favorite sleeper breach, favorite combine sleeper story, Ali Marpet, the uh, now retired, I believe, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers guard who went to Hobart, Hobart College, D3 Hobart. Sorry. Brinson is muting go. himself. I'll finish his Ali Marpet story. Uh, 2015, Division Three, and you have – Everybody raising their eyebrows. What the hell are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing drafting this guy from a Division Three school? He goes on to uh, 
a fantastic seven season run in Tampa Bay and won a Super but Bowl he, walking for Tom Brady. He obliterated the combine, like lit up the combine, ended up getting taken in the second round. There's no chance that Ali Marpet is drafted on the first two days of the draft without the combine. With that being said, Josh, we want to get your top five sleepers for the 2024 NFL draft. This NFL scouting combine super segment is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Who tops the list for Josh Edwards in terms of combine sleepers? So I'm looking at Kansas edge rusher Austin Booker, a player who spent a couple of years at Minnesota. He transferred to Kansas, was kind of a rotational player. They would take him out um, in certain situations, but he's a player that I think has all the qualities that teams are going to be looking for in a productive edge rusher at the next level. Somebody that's incredibly long, uh, good first step, somebody that can bend at the high side of his rush. I think he's one to watch this week at the Combine. Um, you just want me to go through the whole list, I, I, all five here? You, you got follow-up? Um, no, I mean, I, I would say, like, what's um, – in terms of uh, – does it matter? Is he scheme scheme transit or scheme independent, like 3-4, 4-3? I feel like these days, like, almost all edge rushers are. Um, what, you know, what sort of uh, – what's, it like, you know, teams that might be targeting him or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you have to be very multiple in today's NFL game anyway, so I wouldn't exactly expect him to drop into coverage too much, but he's somebody that can cloud passing lanes, if nothing else. Uh, you're pretty much looking at a predominant edge rusher at the next level, somebody that's going to be able to um, you know, apply pressure on third down and really move the quarterback off his spot. That's what I think he's going to do really well at. Um, I think he still has some room to grow as far as adding some mass to his frame, holding up in the run game, that kind of stuff, but uh, I think a player that he's one of the juniors in this class, so his best football is still ahead of him. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that need a productive edge rusher, and when you get into day two, day three, um, everybody's going to be looking for somebody that. Um, well, he's, he's, probably, somebody he's, probably, he's probably he's probably he's probably a day two guy, like worst case, right? He's so there are some people that still have him in that in that day three range. I personally think he's going to end up on day two just because of his potential and what he brings to the position. Uh, because you don't typically find players edge with rushers. that much potential as an edge rusher um, once you get into day three. So I think he is go ultimately going to move up the board, uh, and perhaps that starts this week in Indianapolis. I should probably be using CBS Sports rankings, but I always just default to NFL.com because I've got them there. Uh, do you have? Do you guys have rankings? Did you do the rankings? I don't want to insult you, but like, was it you or Trap? Was like, is it a cumulative rankings? The, the NFL ones are just easier for me to navigate from a navigational standpoint. So check out the CBSSports.com rankings. I see him ranked as a top five edge rusher. I think you don't have that potential. You're probably going to get pushed up for a little bit higher than you would think at that position. Who's number two? So number two on my list is going to be Nathan Thomas, an offensive tackle from Louisiana, just somebody that moves really well for his size. Um, you know, coming out of that Louisiana offense, they are a run heavy team. So I think having somebody that moves as well as he does is going to translate really well to the next level. I always look for players that have that flexibility, that mobility um, that I think ultimately translates to the NFL whether that's year one, whether that's three or five years down the road. I think Thomas is somebody that uh, a lot of people are sleeping on, and he's ultimately going to end up moving up the boards, especially at a need position, because we talked at the top how all of these teams are really looking for offensive line help. So a player like Thomas, who I think has his best football ahead of him, he's, he's one of the juniors in this class, um, I think he moves really well and is going to be really tantalizing for a lot of teams 
uh, possibly into day two. I know a lot of people still have him in that day three range, but I personally like him as a possible day two target for, or, or a, yeah, day two target for a team looking uh, for offensive tackle help. All right. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was. I was. I think breach. Breach may have been distracted by just very quickly to note as we go through these. Not. It's not relevant to what you're saying. But uh, Adam Schefter reporting that neither Saquon Barkley nor Josh Jacobs likely to be franchise tagged by those respective teams. Who's your number three sleeper? So number three for me is Trevin Wallace, a linebacker out of Kentucky. Again, one of the juniors in this class. I think that's kind of a trend that you're seeing as. People kind of watch more film on these guys that, you know, they weren't necessarily expecting to be a part of this draft class. I think Wallace is somebody that could rise up the boards because he has that great size that you're looking for at the linebacker position. He uh, needs to improve upon how he uh, reads the flow of the play and, and that kind of stuff is processing. But once he gets to Indianapolis this week, that's a setting where I think he can really thrive. He's expected to test really well, uh, run fast, jump high. And when you look at the athletic profile to go along with his size, that's a player that could move up the board, especially in a year where we really don't have uh, those elite linebacker prospects that we're accustomed to having. So I think he's somebody that when it's all said and done would not surprise me if he ended up on day two. Well, Josh, you clearly live in Kentucky with this crazy Kentucky bias, this SEC bias, this two straight sleepers from the SEC. Who do you got at number four? So number four, I'm going to go to the ACC, unfortunately, to a school that Will is not the biggest fan of. Uh, but I'm going to go to North Carolina because interior defender Miles Murphy, again, oh, yeah. is a player that I think moves really well. He still has to develop a pass rush plan, but um, I think there's a lot to like when you look at how he plays the game. Somebody that still has some untapped potential and at a position of need, again, where teams are looking for big bodies that um, are able to get upfield quickly and move the pocket a little bit. Murphy is somebody that uh, could be a very big steal for a team on day three. I actually think, Josh, that you will see a situation where when all is said and done, I think there's four guys in the top prospects, Miles Murphy, um, linebacker uh, Cedric Gray, Devontae Walker, and Drake May. I think all four of those guys will end up going fairly high out of Carolina, and people will say, really, this team only won eight games, or at least should say that. They're not going to have ten guys drafted, but, I mean, look, you got you got a top-five quarterback and like I, Devontae Walker's a guy I think is going to be fantastic in the NFL. He's just a stud. Like Miles Murphy and Cedric Gray. I mean, people are, people are going to ask questions. I think or should ask questions about Carolina. Uh, see, I still get to the I still get to burn Carolina, even though uh, even though we're, we're profitable. Who's number five for you? Yeah, I like the backhanded compliment there. I was wondering how you were going to fit that in. So uh, well done. Um, number five for me is Javon Solomon, an edge rusher out of Troy. Uh, really powerful player, but also has a little bit of twitch to his game. Uh, very productive. Somebody that's been well coached by John, John Summerall, uh, who has now moved on to become Tulane's head coach. So um, when you look at what he's accomplished at the college level, uh, as well as his size and his athletic profile, I think he's somebody that, again, is going to be appealing for teams. Once you get into that late day two, maybe even early day three range, that's somewhere where uh, Solomon could come off the board. All right, I dig it. That's this NFL Combine Super Segment has been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Josh always brings the goods with his sleepers. Let's talk about positional groups. Who to me, I think this is. I think this is it. And I've been trying to figure out how to write about this for CBSSports.com, like how to frame it in a way that's kind of interesting. But you know, we've seen T. Higgins is tagged. 
Um, but we expect like Mike Evans could still hit the open market. Michael Pittman could still hit the open market. Um, there's a lot of like the wide receiver free agency class is interesting. But and Josh, I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading what your your answer is going to be. But this wide receiver class in the draft is like the best I've ever seen. It, it's I mean, and I'm not saying it's going to pan out like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and that class. And obviously there were some misses and some bad stuff that happened with that class. But like. I think that this class is as like it is absolutely loaded up top. Do you think the wide receivers are the best positional group in this draft? I think there's a strong case for it because I think you can get really quality players even into day three. Uh, and that's a trend that we're seeing year over year because of how much teams are throwing the football uh, in college. You know, a lot of these players are getting more repetitions than they've would have gotten in the past. Uh, we've moved away from those run heavy offenses. And now you see these spread out offenses that, are utilizing their wide receivers in bunches, you know, three, five wide receivers at a time, those guys are getting the targets that they didn't previously get. And that's why we're seeing such a high volume number of these wide receivers coming into the NFL over the past couple of years. And I don't see that changing in the next couple of years. Uh, but we've talked about the guys on top, Roma Dunze from Washington, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors. Those guys are often mentioned as being top 10 prospects. Brian Thomas Jr., I think, is somebody that could test really well out of LSU um, in Indianapolis this week. I think he could he could be a big tester and somebody that moves up the board. Uh, Keon Coleman at Florida State, Malachi Corley at Western Kentucky, Troy Franklin, Oregon, Jalen Polk, Washington. I mean, there is a ton of wide receivers. Lad, Lad McConkey out of Lad Georgia. McConkie, Ricky Pearsall, Javon Baker. I mean, there's a ton of guys. Donnie Mitchell. I mean, this is loaded, yeah. dude. You can go on and on. I mean, we could we could just riff back off back and forth off each other for quite some time. I There's mean, that number of guys Devontae's, that are gonna be going. Devontae's Walker, we didn't even mention in that group. And then like, yeah, I mean, you got guys like Jalen Polk who had great seasons, Brendan Rice. I mean, it is like it is it's just really, really deep. And I'm curious, like do, how many do you think we could see in the first round? I mean, I think three, you can lock in. You probably lock in four bare minimum for the first round. I think with Brian Thomas Jr. along with Roma Dunze, uh, Malik Neighbors, and of course Marvin Harrison Jr. The question is how many more could trickle in on the back end, especially with all these quarterbacks. Like this, first, it, we might get to number ten overall before you see a defensive player come off the board. And it's not like the defensive players are bad. This is just a loaded offensive class. Yeah, number eight overall is the latest that a defensive player has been taken in the first round, at least for the past couple of decades. Uh, didn't check beyond 2000, but this is somewhere, um, you know, a, a statistic that we're going to be talking about for quite some time because that possibility does exist. You're talking about three, possibly four quarterbacks there in the top 10, you know, three wide receivers. You're talking about two, maybe three offensive tackles. You're already up to 10 players. You know what I mean? So like we could very easily be sitting at number 10 overall and a defensive player has yet to come off the board. That would be historic and something that is very much, on the table, but I will say part of that also hurts this wide receiver group because when you're looking at the depth of this class, there are going to be teams that say, Hey, we might be able to wait on this position and get one of quality on day two. Let's get a player at a different position of need where, you know, the, the depth is not there for our picks in round two, round three. And then that starts to push the wide receivers down the board a little bit. So it's almost a detriment in some ways, um, I think once you see a run on the position, possibly middle of the first round, once you get into the 20s, that's where that kind of needs to happen for seven wide receivers to get in the first round. Otherwise, I think you're looking at four to six 
probably being the most likely scenario. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at things as far as it can almost hurt the wide receivers that the class is so deep. Because I think another position that is somewhat deep is offensive tackles, which is not something you usually get in the draft. And if you're a team that's trying to decide between a receiver and an offensive tackle, I think you're probably going to go to the trenches first and use the logic that Josh just mentioned where, hey, we can get a receiver with our second round pick because it's so deep and someone should be there. And Brenton, considering that you brought up the free agents, your Mike Evans, your Michael Pittman, because if you're a team that needs a receiver, do you want to pay $25 million for Mike Evans? Or do you think, wow, this draft class is so deep, we can get a guy for five years and $25 million uh, instead of giving that up for one season. So I do think that teams uh, will look to the draft versus free agency to get a receiver. Yeah, so it, I mean. Or it, or it at least may imp- it may impact the price, the, the contracts you see from the receivers in free agency because of the, because it's like, all right, look, like we, here's our number for Mike Evans. We're in competition with, like, let's say Bucks and, Bucks and the Texans are in competition for Mike Evans. Well, maybe the Texans say, we got picks. You know, we're like, we'll wait. We don't, we don't need to, you know, expend. We're not going to go up top because we can just uh, grab somebody in the draft. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, small school prospects and players who are locks to have a great combine next. Stay refreshed with Taste Salud, the ultimate hydration experience. Dive into the world of Agua Frescas, designed to elevate your day, boost your energy, stay hydrated, and unwind with Salud's on-the-go stick packets, each with just one gram of sugar. Exclusive for our listeners, enjoy a 10% discount on your first order with code TASTE10 at checkout. Visit tastesalud.com for the full selection. Taste the difference with Taste Salud. Cheers to health. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right josh we already did sleepers let's talk about some small school prospects anybody that we need to know about from smaller schools the alley bar pets of the world i think we're the smallest school player I can remember being drafted. It's got to be Hobart. Anything, Breach? You remember any like a crazier, like small school? 
Ah, uh, Miami, Miami of Ohio, that little dink. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that counts. No, no kidding. It's a big school. All right, yeah, Josh, hit us with some Miami. small school prospects. Yeah, there's about a, a dozen of these small school prospects that will be in attendance. Um, a couple of them I will touch on. You've got Luke McCaffrey, the wide receiver from Rice, um, somebody that could be drafted in this year's class, the brother of Christian McCaffrey, the son of Ed McCaffrey, uh, a family that has rich tradition in the NFL. You're, you're very likely to see another one in the lineage move on to the NFL in this draft class. And then the one that I want to talk about is South Dakota cornerback Miles Harden, a player that has good size. He's a smooth mover, uh, physical, somebody that I think could be a really good steal for uh, for a team on day three of this draft class. I think he is uh, one to potentially watch. You've got some real small school guys from this class. Uh, Houston Christian edge rushers Jalex Hunt uh, is probably one of the smallest in the in this year's draft class. You've got Monmouth represented. Holy Cross has a couple of guys there. Uh, but I'll say McCaffrey and uh, Harden are a couple that are, are particularly intriguing of the small school prospects. Breach, what's your favorite combine story about a player with a question mark? My favorite combine story ever about a player with a question mark? Yeah, because mine, mine is, uh, I think it was 2012. And I don't want to say. Was this the Hooters year or not the Hooters year? No, no, no. I don't want to say the media member who did this because it was because I I'm just not going to say who it was. But um, somebody went up to Janoris Jenkins and said, "Do you know the names of all your children?" Because Janoris Jenkins reportedly had like eight kids with several different women, and you know, I don't know how we qualify that as you know from a you you know in 2012 it was considered a red flag, and he'd been to several different schools, and people were asking questions. I remember standing there, I was like. Did you just ask that dude to name all his kids? And George Jenkins ripped off all the names of his kids, which, you know, I mean, I think I even wrote about the story, but it was like a, it's, it's, it's just sort of a crazy moment in the combine where somebody, like, I mean, somebody asked Des Bryant, uh, actually Jeff Ireland, was a, did he got fired for it. He asked Des Bryant if his mother was a prostitute. Like that's, that's up there on the Mount Rushmore of insane combine stories. Um, anything, anything that you remember, Breach, that, that like, like get your traffic needle moving? Uh, I don't mean the top of my head because I was too busy trying to figure out the last Division Three player who got drafted, uh, and I believe it was Quinn Miners who got drafted by the Broncos oh, yes. yeah. in 2021. Uh, well, Josh, good job, Breach. Uh, Josh, what are some guys who do have question marks? Um, it feels like these days it's really more like injury question marks. Like the, the I don't know, is it, a, is it a generational thing? These 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 kids these days don't. Don't get as much trouble. It doesn't feel like there's as many like off-field red flags. Well, obviously, like Jalen Carter had some stuff. Uh, Lyle, you know, we've seen, we've seen Lyle Collins, and, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's happened before around the draft of the combine. Yeah, the Jalen Carter situation was uh, pretty wild last year because yeah. the arrest warrant came out while the combine was going That's on. Right, He's getting ready to take the podium. So it was pretty wild to see. Everybody looking down at their phones, the way that that news and information spread throughout uh, that interview room, uh, which if nobody has seen, it's, you know, you've got about 10 podiums in a U-shape around this gigantic room. Uh, you've got NFL Network set up. You've got CBS Sports HQ set up. You've got uh, some other media in this giant room, but everybody's just kind of focused on these podiums. Uh, and it's where all the media congregate. There's hundreds of people in there. 
And when that news came down, it spread like wildfire. It was pretty crazy to see uh, just how quickly people were kind of buzzing about that and then how quickly the media got on air so they could talk about it. Um, that was one thing that that's definitely one story that, that I will take away from the combine. It's a unique one for sure, yeah. As it relates to this year specifically, you're exactly right. I think most of it is medical related. Uh, Leatu Latu, the edge rusher from UCLA, actually medically retired at one point in his career. Um, you know, the medical checks are going to be really important. Was that, for was him, that concussions but, or was it something else? Uh, I don't remember. I get him and Jalen Phillips confused sometimes. Because yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say that there are going to be teams that look extra hard at that, and they may even flag him as somebody that they want to do a recheck on just to make sure uh, they saw everything correctly the first time because he is one of those players that could be taken in the first round, and you don't want to take somebody that's not going to be available to you uh, a couple years down the road. I mean, Tennessee looking at uh, Caleb Farley a couple of years ago, he you know hasn't contributed a whole lot for them coming off of his injury. Uh, so Latu is one that we're looking at in this draft class. Um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, I think pers- how fast is he going to run? A lot of people think, um, you know, he may be in the four or five range. I tend to think he's going to run a little bit faster than that. But the guy that started this draft class as the number one cornerback has kind of fallen back on pace a little bit. You know, he's behind Terry and Arnold, his teammate at Alabama. He's behind Quinion Mitchell from Toledo and Nate Wiggins at Clemson. And for him to kind of reestablish his draft stock. Uh, I think he needs to run pretty well at the combine this week. And I think uh, he's probably somebody that could actually surprise a little bit when the dust has settled. Um, I actually uh, use my pick for not only best combine, but like for best combine, but also sort of a red flag issue as a segue to players we think will have the best combine and uh, get your, get your cocktails out and prepare to drink pick six podcast bingo time, because I'm picking somebody from NC state to no one's surprise. Uh, my guy, Peyton Wilson, He's older. That's a red flag. He suffered a bunch of injuries uh, in his college career, and his playing style is not conducive to a lengthy playing career. But, man, is Peyton Wilson going to tear it up at the Combine when he tests? I think, as it currently stands, I'm actually surprised. I thought that he might be more of a day three guy because of injuries. But the, what, what I'm seeing out there is that he's a round two, round three guy potentially. Now, you know, I think the Bengals would be a really interesting fit. They had Jermaine Pratt from NC State. They brought in as a linebacker and his fit, and also uh, of course BJ Hill. Like they've had success bringing in guys uh, from from the NC State scheme that have that have done well in Cincinnati. Peyton Wilson breach would be an incredible fit in that Lou Anarumo defense. He is athletic, a ball hawk, piles up stats, uh, just you know a an absolute Adonis in terms of a specimen. And he is going like he's a great on field player. His tape is incredible. And I think he's going to light up the combine. I think he's going to rise as a result of the combine testing. But I also think it's possible, Josh, that we see or breach if you want to answer that we see sort of you know some like if if the teams do the medical checkouts and it doesn't go well, it could hurt him as well. Classic Brinson trying to will his uh, NC State guys from a mediocre team to the Bengals who are to another mediocre team. Yeah, I want him to get them. Yeah, yeah, championship organization. Yeah, I'll just say real quick that because uh, we've already talked about this person a lot. I think that J.J. McCarthy is going to have a great combine. Uh, I feel like he is going to go in there. The casual fan is just, hey, he won a national championship. Did he ever actually throw the ball? Because every time I turned a game on that involved Michigan, they were running the ball. And I feel like that's how a lot of 
casual fans probably feel about J.J. McCarthy. But look, he made some great throws. He was in a high-pressure situation for a championship team. And I feel like he's going to go into this combine with a chip on his shoulder to prove that he's just as good as these guys, as your Caleb Williams, as your Jane Daniels, all the guys that are being mentioned above him. Uh, so I think we'll see J.J. McCarthy tear it up. I knew we were going to shoehorn Peyton Wilson to this conversation somewhere. I wasn't sure where we were going to get it done, but uh, I knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah, of course, obviously. Uh, coming off two torn ACLs, a shoulder injury, but uh, one of the most productive linebackers in college football this past year uh, and someone worthy of top 100 consideration for sure. My pick is going to be Dallas Turner, the edge rusher out of Alabama. Um, he's not viewed in the same light as Will Anderson Jr. last year. I think Anderson was – you know, more consistent, a more well-rounded prospect. Dallas Turner is still a relatively young player. Uh, and I think when he takes the field this week in Indianapolis, if he does, we, we don't know for sure. I mean, he could wait until his pro day or, or not test at all. But um, I think he is somebody that could stand out in Indianapolis this week because he's at Alabama for a reason. You know, he's got that five-star profile. He runs fast. He jumps high. Uh, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to cement himself as the top edge rusher in this draft class. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I should note, as we get out of here, Malik Neighbors not going to run or test at the Combine either. Going to wait and do it at his pro day, according to Ian Rappaport. Um, I'm kind of – look, i got to tell you, Josh, it happens every year. I'm like, eh, Combine, whatever. And then we do this podcast, and you get me hyped for the, for the Combine – I'm pumped to see these guys test, pumped to see how they move around on this board. The NFL offseason is like nothing else. I mean, the NFL season is just an insane run of, you know, like football for X number of weeks. But, man, the NFL offseason is, is even is 10 times crazier. And it all kicks off at the NFL Combine. Josh, as always, buddy, thank you for joining the pod. Breach, you're stuck with me for another show on Thursday, I believe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. For Josh, follow Josh at EdwardCBS on Twitter. Great handle. Uh, and obviously read his stuff. Tons of draft information you're going to want this offseason. Subscribe to John Breach's Pick 6 newsletter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'm Josh for Breach. I'm Britson. We'll see you guys later. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.